And what I want to talk to you today about as we kick off this series is you can change. You can change. We all have areas in our life where we need to look at the man or the woman in the mirror and we need to make some changes in 2013. We need to become a new you in 2013. And, and as you look at your life, I look at my life, I look at areas in my life where man, I need to make some changes and you need to make some changes. Maybe it's, it's in your health. And I, I think about my, my health and there are some changes that I'm making in 2013 regarding my health that, that I didn't pay attention to in 2000, in 2012. And I'm, I, I'm making some challenges and going to become a new you. Maybe it's like me. I'm, I'm married, been married 15 years and I've got a great marriage. Love my wife. We've got a solid marriage. And, and yet I know there are some changes that, that I need to make to be an even better husband. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we spent about an hour last night just talking about life and family and marriage and things we need to change. And I'm committed in 2013 to be a better husband. Maybe it's parenting if you have kids. And I mean, one of the challenges is, is raising godly kids. And as I raise my kids, I see areas and shortcomings and, and things that I need to do better. And, and I'm committed in 2013 to be an even better parent and to grow in some areas and more patience and to do some things better. Uh, maybe perhaps it's a dating relationship relationship and you need to do better in your dating and and you know man in 2012 2011 man it's been wheels off it had been God honoring and you need in 2013 to make some changes become a new you in your dating relationship but perhaps it's at work Maybe at school, and you know, man, you're not giving your best, you're not doing your best, you're not studying like you should study, and you know you need to make some changes in those areas of your life. Perhaps you're a child, and you're in your parents' home, you're a teenager, and you realize, you know what, I got an attitude, I'm disobeying, I'm being rebellious. And you know in 2013, you need to make some changes and be a new you to have a better relationship with your parents. Most importantly... You need to become a new you spiritually in your relationship with God. And perhaps some of you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Can I tell you, I'm so glad you're here. We created this church. One of the reasons is that you could come and you could check out the claims of Christ. Maybe you've been coming a week or a month. This is your first week. You're going to be coming over the next several weeks. You're just checking out God. And I trust that God will just touch your heart and you'll give your life to Christ and experience his power in your life. But some of you, you are Christ followers. You are Christians. And, and you've drifted over the last year or two. You, you've strayed away. You're not praying like you used to pray and reading your Bible like you used to read it. You're not, you're not in church like you used to be in church. You're not involved like you should be. And 2013, you're saying to yourself, I want to be a new you spiritually. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible who became a new you. And what I want to do is I want to analyze his life. I want to analyze and dissect his, his issue, his dilemma, his situation. And then what I want to do is after we analyze it, I want to give you some key principles on how he became a new you and on how you and I can become a new you. Let's look at this story together in the Bible. In Mark chapter 5, picking up in verse number 2, the Bible says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs. He was homeless. He lived in the cemetery. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And as I read this story and as we analyze it, the first thing that jumps out to me is this. It's hard to become a new you. It's hard to become a new you, not just for this man in this story, but it's hard for you and I I to become a new you. Listen, if starting with the man or the woman in the mirror and making a change was easy, how many of everybody would change? I mean, everybody would change. Everybody would become a new you. But the truth of the matter is, it's hard to change. It's hard to break old habits and old patterns. It's hard to become a new you. I mean, it's easy to to sit in church and you hear this, this song of inspiration today. And you're like, yeah, that's right, man. Look at the man in the mirror. Make that change. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. That's right. But the raw reality is it's hard. It's difficult to change. Life can be difficult. And we can find ourselves in difficult situations, in difficult circumstances. And the man in this story, he was in a difficult situation. Life had been difficult. The Bible says he was living in the tombs. He was living in the cemetery. He was, he was homeless. And the Bible says that they were treating him like a wild animal. People were chaining up his arms and his feet trying to control him, but he was breaking free from, from, from the chains. And not only was he in the cemetery being treated like an animal, but the Bible says he was crying out. Ah, ah, he was screaming at times, crying out. And the Bible says that he was cutting himself with a rock. I mean, this guy was suicidal. He's, he's cutting himself. He's, he's hurting himself. And as I was thinking about this story, as I've been pottering this story over the last month, knowing that I was going to kick off the series today with this message, I, I've been thinking about and analyzing, and I've been wondering, how did this man get to this place in his life? What's his story? Because we all got a story. And how did he get to the tombs and homeless and crying out and been chained up and hurting himself. I mean, this guy's got a mom and a daddy. How did he get here? He's got friends and family, maybe a wife and kids. How did he end up in the tombs? Life can be difficult sometimes. I don't know how he got there. Maybe he He got laid off from his company because the company was downsizing and he lost his job and he tried to land another job but things didn't work out and he got behind on his bills and they foreclosed on his house and he filed bankruptcy and went bankrupt and he's finding himself homeless and depressed and now he's in the tombs crying out for help, cutting himself. I don't know how he got there. Maybe he, he was in a marriage and, and the marriage was kind of rocky, but he believed him and his spouse could make it and he tried, but things just kept getting worse and worse and 
him and his wife ended up getting a divorce. And he didn't get to see his kids any longer and rarely got to see the kids. And the divorce messed up his mind and his emotions. And, and he wasn't himself any longer. He couldn't hardly think and concentrate at work. He couldn't, he couldn't concentrate with friends and family. He was just out of it. And, and his life began to spiral out of control. And he ended up in the tombs because of the pain of that broken relationship. I don't know how he got there. Maybe he was dealing with the stress and pressures of life. How many know that life can be stressful sometimes? Life can have pressure sometimes. And listen, you can smile on the outside, have the right clothes on, the right makeup on, the right cologne on, and smile at people on the outside but be crumbling on the inside. And perhaps the pressures and stresses of life, what he was dealing with, it was so big to him, he turned to the bottle and thought the bottle will help me cope with all this stress and pressure. He had no idea. He never intended to get addicted and become an alcoholic, but he began to drink and he began to drink and began to drink, began to neglect his family, neglect his job, neglect his priorities. The bottle was controlling his life until he lost everything. And ended up in the tombs. I don't know how he got there. Life can be difficult. Perhaps like many, he was dealing with a messed up childhood. And he grew up in a real dysfunctional family. And he was abused. He was molested. His parents weren't there for him. He had a rough go of it. And he got to be an adult and he thought things would be better when he was an adult, but he never dealt with the issues of the past. He never got healing from the issues of the past. He was bitter. He was mad. He was hurting. He was angry. And he began to turn to drugs to think, I'm going to cover this up, this hurt and this pain in my childhood. I'm going to cover it up with drugs. And he started snorting. He started pumping pills in his mouth. He started putting needles in his arms. He never dreamed that he'd be in the tombs, but his childhood gripped his life. And now he finds himself crazy in the tombs I don't know how he got there but the Bible says he was there life had been difficult he was crying out he was screaming he was cutting himself with a rock and you cannot tell your friends I don't believe this man wanted to be where he was. As he was crying out, his childhood dream wasn't one day I want to be homeless in the cemetery, being chained like an animal, cutting myself, hurting myself. And it's a horrible thing when you know you're hurting yourself, but you can't seem to stop. And he's hurting himself. He's cutting himself. He's homeless. He's not been eating right. He's wild. He's angry. He's breaking chains. He's suicide. He's hurting himself, but he can't seem to stop. A lot of people go through life that way. They hurt themselves, and they know they're hurting themselves, but they can't seem to stop. It happens all the time in life. Some of you are there today. You're in a relationship that you know is no good for you, and he's abusing you, she's abusing you taking advantage of you and you, you, you're being hurt in the relationship, but you think, you think, you know, how somehow we'll end up getting married. It's going to work out. When we're married, things will change. He won't be that way anymore. She won't be that way anymore. And you know the relationship is not good on you, and yet you stay in it. You can't seem to get out of it, even though it's hurting you. You're pumping your mind full of pornography, and you're looking at it, and you're looking at it, 
And you know it's hurting your relationships. It's hurting your marriage. It's hurting your career. You're staying up all night long. You're controlling you. You can't think right. You can't function right. It's hurting your intimacy and your relationship. And yet, even though you're hurting yourself, you can't seem to stop. It's the money and you get paid and the first thing you do is you go to the casino and you spend all your money in hopes you're going to hit the jackpot. You're, you, you, you get paid and you're always at the mall and you spend every dollar you got and you know you're hurting yourself. You know you're not going to have bill money. You know this is not good, but you can't seem to stop. You go, you go, you go to, 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 to the break room at work and you know, you know, you know you shouldn't eat that donut, but that donut is calling your name. Oh, I'm telling you, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. The donut's calling me. It's call- I know we're faster. Oh, but I can't stop. And you know you should eat that. You've eaten 300 a day. You know this is not good on you, but you can't. Same to stop. You know you can't continue to treat your spouse this way and walk all over your spouse and talk to them the way that you're talking to them. You know you're hurting them and hurting you and hurting your relationship and you know it's damaging it and yet even though you know it's hurting you, you can't seem to stop. And this man is in the tombs. He's homeless. He's crying out and he's cutting himself. And he can't seem to stop. It seems impossible to get free from this. Can you imagine the conversation of the day? Can you imagine what people were saying about this man? I can only imagine, you know, somebody got to work that day and they started talking to a coworker. Man, you see Fred today? Yeah, man, I did. I was riding my donkey to work, man. They didn't, come on now, they didn't have cars back then. Hee-haw. I was riding my donkey back then, and, and man, I looked in the cemetery, and there was Fred. I mean, that dude was screaming. Ah! I'm like, what's wrong with Fred? I, mean, I don't know, man. I went to junior high with Fred. I don't know how he got there. In Fred married? Yeah, man, I know he was, man. I don't know what's going on. Doesn't he have kids? Yeah, yeah. Man, doesn't his mama live in the next town? Yeah, I think so. And his daddy, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to tell you, I hate to say it, man, but, you know, between me and you, you know, somebody needs to tell Fred's wife, man, he's he not coming back. Man, there's no hope for Fred. I tried, man. I tried to help Fred. One time, man, one time, it was a group of us. We went out to try to help Fred. He was screaming out like a nut, and we tried to chain up his arm and chain up his leg, and he was fighting and frailing and screaming and, and kicking, and we actually chained him up, and he broke free from the chains. Man, you want to go try to help Fred again? Oh, no, dude. Fred is crazy. Fred will hurt you. I hate to say it. Fred's going to die out there in the cemetery. Second thing that I want you to see, a second thing is, first of all, it, 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 it can be hard to become a new you because life can be difficult. It can seem impossible to change. And the second thing is this, Jesus came to where he was. Jesus came to where he was. I want you to notice this in the previous chapter in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. The Bible says this, that day... When evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go 
over to the other side. And on the other side of the lake where Jesus said, let's go, can I tell you who was there? Fred the crazy man. He lived on the other side of the lake. And Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And notice Back in Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says they went, Jesus and his disciples went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Here's something I learned from this story. I've analyzed it. I've dissected it. Here's what I've learned. Everybody else had given up on this man. Everybody else thought he was a hopeless case. Everybody else thought this man wasn't worth messing with anymore. But can I tell you the good news is this. When everybody else walks out on you, Jesus will still come to where you are. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've been through. Jesus will come to where you are. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm talking to somebody at the 6 p.m. experience. Jesus will come to where you are he'll come to you broken when you're lonely and isolated he'll come to you right where you are when you're addicted and bound Jesus will come right where you are when you're depressed and hurting he'll come right where you are can I tell you something about our heavenly father he specializes in people that are broken and hurting, and lonely, and isolated, and addicted, and their life is all jacked up, and Jesus will get in a boat and go to the other side, that you can encounter his love, and his presence, and his grace, and his mercy. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. He will come to where you are, no matter how bad you are. I'm going to say that again. Jesus will come where you are, No matter how bad you are, somebody needs to hear that today because you feel unlovable. You feel like you've messed up too much. You feel like you don't understand my life. You don't understand how high I've been, how high I was last night. You don't understand that who I'm living with, how I'm living, what I'm showing, what I'm doing, who I'm stealing from, who I'm trying to kill, who I'm having an affair. You don't understand where I'm at. And I want you to know that Jesus will come to you no matter where you are or how bad you are. You could be in the tombs, crazy, losing your mind, screaming, cutting yourself, acting like a fool, being treated like an animal. But Jesus will come where you are no matter how bad you are. There's a third thing that I want you to see. First of all, it's hard to become a new you. Second of all, Jesus will come to right where you are. And the third thing is this, Jesus can change you. I want to drill down and teach you some things here. Jesus can change you. The Bible says back in this story in Mark chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16, it says when they, talking about the crowd, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Legion simply means a lot. There was a lot of demons in this man. The Bible says he was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And I'll tell you, the next statement behooves me. It messes with me. The next statement says this, and they were afraid. They saw this man dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Anybody ever meet somebody that you saw acting different in a good way, but you were still afraid? 
Come on, you know who I'm talking about. You know that crazy uncle you got. You know what I'm saying? Every time you show up at Thanksgiving, you know, you're like, is uncle here? Yeah. Hide your purse. Lock the car doors. Uncle's here. Uncle crazy, walking crazy, talking crazy. Act like a fool, you know what I mean? You know, you know uncle, you know what I'm saying? And one time you showed up, and uncle was different. He was in his right mind, talking with sense. Talking about, oh, I'm changed. He was like, you got afraid. He was like, what's wrong with uncle? Lock the car and turn on the alarm. Uncle's really different. He's on something new, you know what I'm saying? Can I tell you, Jesus can so mess up your life in a good way. He can so radically convert you and change you and transform you that everybody else around us gets afraid of you. And Jesus so messed up this man's life in a good way. People were afraid of him. And verse 16 says this, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told about the pigs as well. What had happened in this story, you can read it for it yourself, is when Jesus got to the other side, this demon-possessed man shows up and he lived on the other side. And the Bible says Jesus cast the demons, the legion, all those demons into a herd of about 2,000 pigs. And the pigs ran into the water and they drowned. But I want you to notice this. There's no power or force or demon or devil that can stop Jesus from changing your life. You need to hear that today. There is no force, no power, no demon, no devil. This man had a legion full of demons. He was crying out in pain. He was a homeless. He was suicidal and cutting himself. But when you encounter the love and power of Jesus Christ, he'll radically change your life. The love and the power of Christ, when it invades a life, he brings transformation. Here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he sets you free from sin. Now, listen, you can be a Christian and you can continue to sin if you want. You can choose to still live the old life and the old habits and the old patterns. But what I want you to know is when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you no longer have to live defeated, live in sin, live bound, live addicted. Jesus Christ has set you free from sin. Let me just teach this to you very quickly from the Word of God. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. Maybe you've got uh, some application on your phone that you can pull up version and, and follow along with us today. But I want to teach you Romans chapter 6 very quickly. Don't have time to read the entire chapter, but your assignment today, your assignment is to, as we're praying and fasting as a church, is to read Romans chapter 6. And what I want you to see is that you can change, you can change, you can change. Romans 6 verse number 1 says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? If you're a Christian, he said, if you're a Christian, should you continue those same habits, those same sin patterns, those same attitudes, those same destructive behaviors? Should we just continue to sin? He goes in verse 2, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we live to it how can, we live in, how can we live in it? You see, here's what this is talking about. The Bible shares this, this in the scriptures. I don't have time to take you there and dive all into it and teach you, but I want to give you the principle. There's a man named Adam, the first man, and he disobeyed God. And when he sinned, he ushered sin into the world. And the Bible says when one man sinned, we all sinned because we were all in Adam. So we were all in Adam. Adam sinned. You say, well, pastor, I wasn't there. Here's what I want you to understand. 
You weren't there physically, but you were in Adam. And when Adam sinned, every human being born after Adam, except the Lord Jesus Christ, is born into this world as a sinner. And all have sinned. But he says this, since we have died to sin, because listen, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are now in Christ. You're taken out of Adam and you're put in Christ. And Jesus died on the sin and so on the cross for our sins. And so when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, if you're a Christian, you were in Christ and you've been set free from sin. You're no longer in Adam. You are in Christ. And since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we also may live new lives. Everybody shout may. I want you to catch this. When you give your life to Christ, you're no longer in Adam, you're in Christ. And you may live a new life. Notice it doesn't say you will, it says you may. Because you can be a Christian and continue to live the same life. You can be a Christian and continue to live a defeated life. You can be a Christian and not change. But I want you to see this. Jesus set you free. And you may live a new life in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse number six, verse number six in Romans six, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ because when we're, we're in Christ and when Christ died on the cross, we were in Christ and our sinful nature was crucified on the cross with, with Christ. He says, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Everybody shout, I'm not a slave. Come on, shout again, I'm not a slave. I want you to catch this. You're not a slave to sin. If you're no longer in Adam, because now you're a Christian, you are in Christ, you are not a slave to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Come on, say this with me. Just whisper it. Everybody say, I'm free. Come on, whisper it again. I'm free. Come on, just a little bit louder. I'm free. Just a little bit louder. I'm free. Come on, real loud. I'm free. I want you to understand you don't have to continue to live the same life that you've been living. Because here's what some of you think. Well, Pastor, I can't change. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't know how bound I am. You don't know the situation I'm in. You don't know my family history. And I'm telling you through Jesus Christ, you can change. He goes on to say in Romans 6 and verse number 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Because you're set free. I'm free. Don't let sin control the way you live. Before we knew Christ, before we were Christians, sin controlled our life. We couldn't help. We had to sin. We were dominated by sin. But he goes on to say, do not give into the sinful desires. You understand this. When you become a Christian, you still have desires. You have some old ways of thinking. And, and yet, you don't have to give into those sinful desires anymore. And you cannot tell you what some of you are going to do. You're going to leave out of here and you can go to work tomorrow. And that person at work you don't like is going to do what they always do to you. At that moment, you can choose. And I know what some of you are going to choose. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> you're going to do what you always do. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know is you're free. And you don't have to continue to respond that way. Because you're free. You've been set free from sin. There's the desires. There's the, when you get your paycheck and you feel that desire, to, you feel those evil desires like, man, I got to go spend it all. I got to go gamble it all away. I got to go spend it all at the mall. You think, I can't help myself. Here's what I want you to know. 
If you're a Christian, you're free. And you don't have to live that way. You're in the community, hanging out in the neighborhood, and you see that lady, and she got a skirt on right here. And you think, I can't help myself. I got to look. No, you don't. No. You're free. Lady, that man at work, not your husband, but he's saying things to you that your husband has said in years. And you're like, oh, boy, oh, I feel, oh, oh. Noxzema. You remember that commercial, Noxzema? Anyways, okay, never mind. Uh, but you're like, I got to give in to this. You don't have to sin. You're free. The next time you're driving by Krispy Kreme Donut and you say, the devil's making me do it. I got to, it's, it's a draw. I got to get 12 donuts. I'm just telling you, you're free. And here's what I want you to know. You may li- leave out of here living the same life. But I at least want you to know this. If you're a Christian, you're free. And you don't have to continue to live that way. You are free. He says, do not give in to the sinful desires. Verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. We used to be dead to spiritual things and alive to sinful things. You were dead. But now you have new life. You're a new you. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. Pastor, my marriage can't change. Sin is no longer your master. Pastor, my health can't change. Sin is no longer your master. Pastor, I can't break free from the addiction. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under, under the freedom of God's grace. Come on, everybody. Our 6 p.m. service, everybody. Come on, everybody say, I'm free.